Era theme song opens things up. Hopefully, for not too much longer, but as long as the coronavirus is still with us. Refrain Hashem, the great Ariel Zilber. Welcome in, one and all. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're here each and every Monday, immediately following JM and DAM, which translates to 9. A.M. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time. And around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time we're on. And you can uh, make a point of noting what time it is now, and then you know that that's the time we're on. But if you miss it, uh, you know, sometimes the Gemara talks about certain tefillot, if you didn't dive in them for whatever reason, it's, uh, it's something that can't be fixed. But this is available, Lahavdil, on demand. If you missed the show, you go to the archives of the Nachum Siegel Network. 
on the app. You go to NahumSiegel.com, get the archives, listen to the show. And even better, I shouldn't say even better, and also, uh, we've been recently uh, telling you about the ability to subscribe to the podcast. And uh, there's a link on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, and we'll be posting it together with the other links that we post every week. Subscribe, subscribe, and give us a good review. It helps us very much. And we thank you in advance. Well, the winter season arriving in Israel is um, welcomed in part by the reappearance in the stores of one of Israel's most iconic candies, if you will, called Krembo. Now, if you lived in Israel, even if you were there for a year, you've probably heard of the Krembo. It's a... Um, it's uh, like, a, like a small can of Pringles, almost, a little rounded at the top. There's a cookie at the bottom. The rest is cream, and it's encased in a um, layer of chocolate, which holds in the cream and the wafer and holds it all together. That is the Krembo, and that's hence the name Krembo. There is cream in it. And um, why is it that it comes, it appears at the beginning of the winter? Because in Israel, the summer is very, very hot, and many, many stores, especially the smaller Makolets, don't have room to keep the Krembo in their refrigerators. And surely, going back years, it it wasn't possible. So the crembos would have just melted and become mushy and yucky and all those other words. So crembo is a winter delicacy. Turns out that there are two companies, I don't know how, I, I didn't check the history, of how this happened, but there are two companies, and only two companies, in Israel that make the Krembo. One is Strauss, famous, the famous Strauss. It's uh, the, the, the dairy company. The other is called Feldman. I, I wasn't aware of that. It wasn't familiar, but that's what it turns out. And Feldman has announced that they're closing down their Krembo production, maybe because of Corona, maybe, you know, as a result of the Corona, people aren't going out that much, buying that much. And so, ladies and gentlemen, it is not the total demise of Krembo, but the media in Israel have been, have, have been really um, lamenting the fact that the Krembo's production will be cut in half and only being produced by the Strauss company and it could be who knows maybe the Strauss company will, will, will bring an end to Krembo by the way it's a, a very unhealthy I, I, I don't think I have to tell you that but it's a kid's thing I remember having them when I was a kid anyway so I saw that story and I thought of course of Aaron Razel who put out a very cute little uh, song a parody song really 
called the Krembo song, in which um, he calls the rabbi to ask him uh, a question, a shayla. has to do probably with the, the malacha of borer on Shabbos, of sorting things out. I would assume that's what the question is. And the question is, if you're eating a krembo on Shabbos, can you, can you take the, way, the bottom part, the cookie part, off and eat that separately and the cream separately, or is that not permissible? By the way, one of the things about krembo is there are many different ways to eat it. Some start from the top, some start from the bottom, some have a little cookie and a little cream every time, some have all the cookie first. And so, in the mood of the silliness that I'm in, we <laughs> will share with you Aaron Razel and the Krembo song. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hello? Hello? Okay.
I wonder if that is the uh, first halachic um, question, she'ila and tshuva, I think there's only she'ila there, that um, was uh, turned into a uh, song. I don't know, I wonder. And if not, now we, uh, all the composers out there, you now have a whole new area to work with as far as looking for lyrics. Mayor Weingarten on the Israel show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us part of your week. I hope you do on a regular basis. Tell your friends. Yoram Gaon, 81 years old, last week, four days ago, he celebrated his birthday. Ted Zion Tevet, he was born in Tafshin. So if today's Tafshin Pei Aleph, we know exactly, it's easy even to figure out his, um, his age. Uh, interesting that Arik Einstein was born on Yud Bet Tevet, Tafresh Tzadi Tet, a year previous. During the same secular year, Arik Einstein, January 3rd, 1939, Yeram on December 28, 1939, opposite sides of the year. Arik passed away in 2013, Haftalat Kislev. He was 74, but we'll play a few songs of each as a tribute to their birthdays. And Yehoram Gaon, let's not forget, he announced that he he's running, he announced his candidacy for the President of Israel, so uh, he's in the news in addition to everything else. And, you know, what else we're talking about birthdays, let's, uh, there's a yard site today. Today is the yard site of the Rambam, Maimonides, 816 years ago today. He passed away. How many I, I can't imagine. I mean, in Jewish, obviously, in, in the Jewish world, we study texts that are older than that. But how many people who have written texts have them studied carefully and intensely and ongoingly for 816 years after their death? It's amazing. So I noticed that, pointing that out for you as well. We're going to play, uh, we're going to do the Meir Milim segment, if we can find it. Yep. Uh, we're going to do the Meir Milim segment, some music, and we'll be right back here after that, talking about situation in Israel, the politics, the craziness, the mshagas, everything you can possibly imagine. My name is Mayor Weingarten, you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. In our Meir Milim segment, we shed light on a word or phrase in the Hebrew language. Meir Milim is inspired by the Galei Tzahal radio segments of Dr. Avshalom Kor and informed by the teachings of Dr. Lior Gottlieb. Here is this week's installment. This is not going to be an easy assignment, but imagine that you are a shepherd in charge of a large flock of sheep. 
I don't imagine that anyone listening to this was ever a shepherd, but just using common sense, you're a shepherd. When lunchtime comes and you need to feed your hungry herd, would you take them to graze in the desert? What are they going to eat in the desert where nothing but endless miles of yellow sand fill the horizon? Yet, that is exactly what Moshe does in the introductory pasuk to the story of the burning bush. Moshe was shepherding Yitro's flock. And he led the sheep to the Midbar. One of two possibilities here. Either Moshe is a really bad shepherd, or Midbar isn't what we think it is. Let's take a closer look at Midbar. There are lands of many types on this beautiful planet. On one end of the spectrum, you have the sand-filled, desolate, barren desert, like the Sahara. On the other end of the scale, you have lush agricultural fields that can be plowed and planted, used to grow the crops from which we ultimately make our food. The Midbar is somewhere in between those two extremes. It's uninhabited, and it's in Eretz Lo Zeru'ah. You can't plant crops. But the Midbar is a place that has wide areas of greenery, lots of shrubbery, and small bushes that the sheep can graze on. Not surprisingly, when Moshe is in the Midbar, he encounters a small bush. A burning bush, no less. In fact... The origin of the word Midbar is from Dabar, which means to lead, Lehanhig. The Midbar is the place of pasture to which the shepherd leads the sheep, and that's where it gets its name from. For extra credit, take a look at Unklos on this Pasuk, Shmot Perigimel, Pasuk Aleph. Knowing now that in both Hebrew and Aramaic, Dabar means Manhig, a leader, we can understand two relatively well-known Aramaic phrases. Fast forward to the end of the Chumash, Parshat Vayelech, as Moshe's life and leadership role are coming to a close. God engineers a peaceful transition of power from Moshe to Yehoshua. God says to Yehoshua, Yehoshua, now you're the man. You alone are in charge. Rashi cites the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Dabar echad lidor, ve'en shnei dabarim lidor. I always thought it means there can be only one spokesperson, one person who speaks on behalf of the generation from the word ledaber. But now we know that Dabar echad means manhig echad. Every generation has one leader, and now Yehoshua is it. One more. At times when the rabbis of the Talmud aren't sure about the specific way that a mitzvah is customarily performed, the rabbis say, Puk chazei mai amadavar. Puk, go out, go out to the public, chazei, see, mai amadavar, what the people are debar. Again, I thought it means go out and see what the people say. But now we know that if debar means manhig, then puk chazei mai amadavar, 
davar means go out and see how the people are no hague. What is their minhag? What the people do customarily. Dabar is a manhig, a leader. Midbar is the place that the leader, the shepherd, leads the flock to graze. And now we know that Moshe was not only a great leader, he was a pretty good shepherd too. And that's this week's installment of the Meir Milim segment. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Iconic, classic, Yehoram Gaon. In honor of his 81st birthday, we play that song from the movie Kazablan, Kol HaKavod. My name is Mayor Weingarten, you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. 77 days, the countdown continues. 77 days left till the next Israeli election, number four in the set collect them all and trade with your friends and um, the there's a special ver- there are special versions of the game musical chairs there's one version as I mentioned earlier on Jamie the Ames one version that's played before each takeoff of an El Al flight this whole musical chairs game and now the special edition 
the Knesset edition of musical chairs is uh, is afoot. Now there's a month left before all the parties have to submit their final listings, their list of their slate, actually it's called, to the um, to the election board. So right now we're in phase what, what I would call phase one of the Israeli election. Who is in? Who is out? And if you're in, where are you? Sounds like something Hillel said, Lahavdil. So, for example, I'll give you an example of the who's in, who's out. There were rumors flying until last week that former Army Chief of Staff Gadi Eisenkot would, um, would join. It was almost a given that he would join some party or the other. The only question was which one, which one, which party is he? Is he left? Is he right? Nobody really knows 100%. Well, last week, Gadi Eisenkot, I believe in a very smart move, announced that he is staying out of this elections. Now, remember that the last three elections, the party that was the darling of everybody on the left and the not just not BB uh, community in Israel... That party was headed by four people, three of whom were former chiefs of staff. And there is a long tradition in Israel of former chiefs of staff going into politics and, um, and then becoming prime ministers. There are good ones and bad ones. On the whole, the experience isn't amazing. Ehud Barak is an example. Yitzhak Rabin is an example. And more. So, Gadi Eisenkot decided maybe the people have had enough of former army chiefs of staff and uh, it would not be a bad idea to sit this one out. I think that's pretty good. If you're in, where are you? It's another question. For example, the Yesh Atid party headed up by Yair Lapid split. Yair Lapid started the party together with his very close buddy, former journalist, they're both former journalists, Ofer Shelach. Ofer Shelach decided that um, the time has come for the party to become a little more democratic, that Yair Lapid shouldn't be the only person making all the decisions, that there should be primaries and so forth. Yair Lapid didn't like that. So Ofer Shelach breaks off and starts one of many new parties. He's not going to run alone. He can't. He'll never make the threshold of the minimum needed to get into the Knesset, which is four seats, the equivalent of votes for four seats. So if you get a lot of votes, but they're only good enough to get you two seats, then all your votes are gone, you're gone, everything's gone. Take another example. Netanyahu's Likud party nemesis, Gidon Saar. A, a good guy, respectable guy, but he didn't, uh, he, he's not been happy with Netanyahu's leadership for quite a while. In fact, he challenged him in the party um, primaries not uh, not that long ago, and he lost resoundingly. He announced that he will lead a new party, and he's taken several members of the Likud with him, most notably 
Zev Elkin, Zev Elkin, Zev Elkin, an extremely close Netanyahu confidant. If you ever see pictures of Netanyahu meeting with Putin, Zev Elkin with the yarmulke on top of his head, the kippah shruga, is sitting right next to Netanyahu. So he's jumping ship, and that's seen as a sharp slap in the face and a knife in the back of Netanyahu when he left the party. Last week he made an extremely strong anti-BV speech, which took many by surprise, but also didn't reflect well on him because... uh, you know, we're all old enough to remember two weeks ago where he was praising Netanyahu. So there are more musical chairs. He, um, Gideon Sar takes um, the Knesset member, Dr. Shasha Biton, as well with him. And um, in, in the biggest musical chairs um, arena... For the last, for the past three elections, the flavor of the month club, the party, the one that's going to finally knock Bibi out of the box, was the party known as Kachol Avan, blue and white. It was an amalgam of Yeshatid and Chosen Israel and 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 three other little parties and Derech Eretz and so forth and so on. So the blue and white party, which I've renamed the black and blue party now because of the big, the 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 the, the huge uh, um, the huge hit that they're getting. So it was renamed black and blue, and now it's just going to be called Fade to Black. Its leader Benny Gantz. Benny Gantz was sold to the Israeli public by the fawning media. As the leader that can replace Netanyahu, he's the guy, Benny Gantz. He was even invited to Washington to meet with uh, with Trump and everything because I thought uh, I thought there was always going to be elections for the last uh, two years, right? Any minute, uh, any minute in time, there was like, oh, it's going to soon be an election. Benny Gantz might be prime minister. Well, he he has proven to be a real political rookie and an inadequate leader. At least that's the way he's being portrayed. He, he, we've discussed this many times, so I'm not going to go into it again, but he, he really fell into the traps that Netanyahu, who is a genius in politics, set for him. He's not up for the job, and his party is just scattered to all four corners of the Knesset. And everybody from his party is looking for a new home because they know this boat is sinking. And yet Gantz, in in his innocence, in his political innocence, thinks that he's going to run and he's going to be able to get the minimum needed for a threshold. Where are you living? And everybody, a, a, a jumping ship, everybody's trying to find a place where they can go. His number two man in blue and white, after blue and white split from the other guys, after the last election, Avi Nissenkorn, who uh, is minister of, uh, was Minister of Justice until a few days ago, he also jumped ship. He went... <laughs> The current mayor of Tel Aviv, his name is Ron Huldai. 
very colorful, outspoken individual, very liked in Tel Aviv. Former fighter pilot in Israeli Air Force, very secular outlook, it's, it's Tel Aviv. Now, he announced that he is forming a new party. You, are you keeping count of how many new parties are being formed by how many people? And just as soon as the words came out, Minister of Justice Nissen Korn resigned and joined in with Huldai as his number two. It's enough to make your head spin. It really is. And it will continue until the deadline in a month. The musical chairs. And then, of course, all these little parties are going to have to join together into bigger coalitions to run and have a chance to get over the th- above the threshold. The question is, after all this, and after what is now going to be a fourth election, is anything going to change? Is Israel sp- still split down the middle? And if so, on what issue? I think that the issue of peace with the Palestinian Arabs is to most Israelis at present a non-issue. As they say in Israel, en im mi lidaber, there is no one to talk to. Israel, after Oslo, has let go of the prospect of coming to an agreement with the Palestinian Arabs, at least in this generation. What's left? Foreign relations, can anyone beat Bibi? Can any opposition be mounted against a guy who signed four peace agreements in the last month and a half with Muslim countries? What's left? Economics. No one has an answer. Really. Does anyone have an answer to, to, to the devastation that is going to be upon us after COVID? Can anyone say they have a better answer than, than Netanyahu? Okay, so what is left? What are the issues that are facing Israelis that, that are left that split Israelis so that half of them don't want Netanyahu to be prime minister? Well, one of them is a feeling of having had enough of the same leadership. We're, we're tired. Bibi's been prime minister for 10 years already. It's time for somebody else. It's time for fresh blood. And I ask, if leadership is good, if his leadership is good, why would you feel that you've had enough of it? Do you, if, if, if something is producing great fruit, would you cut it down just because you're bored with the same fruit? Why would you feel that way unless that mantra of we need someone new, it's, he's been too long, that mantra has been banged into your head over and over by the media. Look, here's a good example. Everybody admits, everybody, that the rollout of the COVID vaccines in Israel is amazing. Israel is now the number one, and has been so now for about a week and a half, the number one country in vaccinating its citizens since the vaccine has has been approved and come out. 
And it's a result of Netanyahu's personal involvement where he went and he negotiated with the heads of Pfizer and the heads of Moderna and got them to push Israel above other countries, larger countries, even though Israel paid a little more. We've spoken about this. And how the whole system now is working like a well-oiled machine. So everyone sort of says, yeah, 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 you got to give Netanyahu credit, but, 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 but. But it's really the Kupat Cholim that's responsible for it. It's there, they're the ones who should be getting the credit. And who put together Kupat Cholim? Well, back in the early 1900s, it was the Labor Party, it was Mapai. They came up with the Kupat. Gosh. Because you can't give credit to Bibi, because Bibi can't do really any anything really good. And lastly, of course, there's the elephant in the room, and that is the court cases against Bibi. So, really, if you think about it, having gone through the issues, unless I forgot something, it comes down yet again to be or not to Bibi. The two camps are BB, Rock BB, Rock Low BB. Many in Israel feel that the charges against the Prime Minister, while not being trumped up, do not amount to allegations that would be brought against any other politician. That it was the Israeli justice system that was out to get Netanyahu and they searched under every rock and dug under every tree until they find something. If that type of search would be done against anyone, it is fair to believe that there can be some activity that could be, in a stretch, made out to be criminal. In fact, the docket number 4000 is, I wouldn't say crumbling, but so many holes are being born into it that it's it, it's a real question how it's going to proceed, even as as uh, late as yesterday. Yet again, something I'm not going to get into the details now. We don't have time, but something came up in the four thousand docket that gives it question. And as more and more information becomes clear, that there was and continues to be a witch hunt against Netanyahu. What happens is that so many Israelis who feel that they too are generally discriminated against by the elites, the Israel Hashnia against Israel Arishona, if you will, that the feeling that Netanyahu is being scapegoated by the elites, by the, by the justice elites right now, true or not true doesn't matter that will only strengthen their support of Netanyahu as a fellow traveler along the road we mentioned Eric Einstein we'll play uh, something from him from his music as well this is um, Salaat it's also a classic my name is Maya Weingarten you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
מכונית הישנה לתוך הלילה הרטוב. הגשם שוב נהיה כבד ולא רואים ממטר. סע לאט. צבי אומר שגשמים כאלה מזיקים לחקלאות. ואני חושב כמה חם בבית ואיזה מסכנים החיילים ששוכבים עכשיו בבוץ סע לאט, סע לאט ברדיו החלפון של הגשש פתאום התחילו חדשות הלילה ירד ברד כבד אצלי הלך אבישר מי אומר שקר לו בראש, תסגור איזה חלום. ואני חושב, הפועל שוב הפסידה, ואיזה מסכנים האוהדים שאוכלים להם את הלב. סע לאט, סע לאט. תן למחשבות לרוץ לכל הכיוונים. יתחילו בלעדינו, סע לאט, סע לאט. נוסעים במכונית הישנה לתוך הלילה הרטוב. מחר אני אקום מוקדם, תראה יהיה בסדר. צבי אומר שקשה לו לנשום ונגמרו לו הטיפות. ואני חושב אני חושב עלייך, ואין שאת יודעת לפניך, אני אוהב אותך. סע לאט, סע לאט. שרנו ביטלס
personal favorite of mine, Eric Einstein, Salat, pictures of driving through Israel in the driving rain. <laughs> um, I don't remember if we spoke about Jonathan Pollard's arrival into Israel, the surprising arrival into Israel uh, last week. It was um, it was an anticlimax, I would say. And I think that the reason that it was so downplayed, and I'll tell you in a minute in which ways it was downplayed, is because maybe it was the Trump administration. I'm not saying it was. I'm not sure. But maybe the Trump administration sent this message to the Netanyahu administration saying, listen, we're not going to keep him any longer. We're going to let his parole uh, run out. But don't make him into a hero. And so he came on a private jet. And, and it could be that all, all these are conjectures of mine that are wrong. But this is what I saw. He came in in a private jet, could have come in whenever he wants, I would imagine. Comes in in the middle of the night. It's dark outside. Not very good audio or video coming out of the event. You see him coming off the plane. It's very exciting. You see him motion to the Prime Minister who is getting closer and closer as he came down the stairs. He motions to the Prime Minister, wait a minute, gets down on his knees, kisses the ground, so does his wife Esther. And the Prime Minister, you you barely hear him making the bracha baruch Hashem And if this would be an event that they want to highlight, there would be proper sound. There wouldn't be the terrible noise in the background of the jets. They'd make sure to move it a little bit away so that one could hear what's actually going on. Netanyahu wouldn't be the only person there to greet him. There would be a few other ministers Netanyahu gives him his Israel identity card, his Tudat Zehut. Then he says a few words. And also, the words are almost lost. I mean, I have the transcript here, but they're almost lost. The audio is almost lost in the noise, the background noise of the aircraft. If you want to make a really nice, proper welcome, if you don't want to downplay it, then you have the audio being better, the video being better. You have it timed better. It doesn't look like some last-minute afterthought. It is a kavod that Netanyahu went out to greet him. And I would be shocked if he didn't. 
but I think he again he shouldn't be made into a hero. He shouldn't have been welcomed. Let's say it couldn't be anyway because of COVID. But even if there was no COVID, he shouldn't be welcomed like uh, Sharansky. But after thirty-five years of what he's gone through. Not all of his doing, partially by default of the state of Israel. The attempt to downplay it, I, I again, that's the way I see it, was uh, was very um, evident, noticeable, whatever you want to call it. Just my two cents on that. Um, there's a new museum that opened a few weeks ago it's um, the Khan of Shar Haggai Shar Haggai is also known as Babel Wad and um, as I see that we're running out of time we'll wait with this one till uh, till next week okay fair enough Fair enough. Maybe we'll play a quick clip of the arrival of Jonathan Pollard. Um, It's like 45 seconds. And I'm going to read to you what he says, because as I mentioned, it's hard to hear. But here's what he said upon his arrival and greeting by the Prime Minister. We are ecstatic to be home after the last... At last, after 35 years, and we thank the people and the Prime Minister of Israel for bringing us home. No one can be prouder in this country and state. No one can be prouder of this country and state than we are. And we hope to become productive citizens as soon and as quickly as possible and to get on with our lives here. This is a wonderful country. It has tremendous potential. It is the future of the Jewish people, and we are not going anywhere. We are profoundly thankful. Those were his words. Here, we'll play it for you quickly. Uh, You can hear it in his voice. We are ecstatic to be home at last after 35 years. And we thank the people and the Prime Minister of Israel bringing us home. No one could be prouder of this country or this leader than we are. And we hope to become productive citizens as soon and as quickly as possible to get on with our lives here. This is a wonderful country. It has a tremendous future. It is the future of the Jewish people. And we're not going anywhere. So thank you. Profoundly thank you very much. And at the end, that was Prime Minister Netanyahu saying back, thank you. We'll end off with, um, I think, I don't know know if we have enough time for that one, so we'll go to a different one. We'll end off with Yehoram Gaon and Shalom Lach Eretz Nehederet. How's that? It's a real classic of Yehoram Gaon's. Uh, Not before we say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and my very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel. 
Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, immediately following us, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then Jake Novak with Novak Now. Jake explains why. From the U.S. to Israel to our universities and even to our shuls, we need new blood in our leadership. That should be very interesting. Tune in for that. And then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM in the AM. This is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Paris, <laughs> Shalom lacheretz nehederetz Avdech adal nose lach shir mizmor Gam im leitim noded ani al deretz Matov lindod ach tov yoter lachzor Zruichai hamigdalim birushalayim Oh,